Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving today. Glad that you're here. Uh, We kicked off a brand new series last Sunday called I Found. And in week one, we dealt with I Found Freedom. But last week, we were dealing with the snow and the elements, combining all three services into one. Thank God we made that decision. Um, Y'all here? All right, making sure you're here. Um, But I'm excited about this message today. My assignment's very clear. Last week was freedom. Today, I want to talk to you about I Found Healing. I Found Healing. Once you hit your neighbor upside the head real good, wake him up, say, I found healing. <laughs> this is going to be good. Now, if you're here and you're sick, I want you to know, first off, that um, God not only has the ability to heal you, he's willing to heal you. Um, if you're not sick and everything's good, your relationship's good, your finances is good, your body's good, you got all that together, what I would encourage you to understand is that God wants to you to be his hands and his feet to be a healing agent in his body. That God wants to use you to bring healing to other people. So with that being said, we're going to start with a messianic prophecy from Isaiah chapter number 53, starting in verse number 3. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom, from, uh, from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed." This is the curse for blessing exchange that took place on the cross. When Jesus was crucified, there was an exchange made, cursing and blessing. Everything Jesus received on the cross, we deserved. How many of you understand that? That he he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God. So everything he received on the cross, we deserve. And that's why we call it a blessing and cursing exchange. Jesus becoming the curse and we receiving the blessing. The blessing is salvation. The blessing is freedom. The blessing is also healing. Let's look at it from the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, Paul telling the Galatian church in verses 13 and 14, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. Your translation may say hung on a tree. It's talking about the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So Jesus became a curse so that, Paul said, the blessing of Abraham could come upon our life. Now, it it would be a great question just to stop and say, what is the blessing of Abraham? I don't have time to unpack 
the blessing of Abraham in its entirety, but I do have a verse for you that will give you an indicator as to what it means to have the blessing of Abraham on your life. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He was very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. The blessing of Abraham impacts every part of your life. Abraham wasn't partially blessed. He wasn't 75% blessed. He was totally blessed. Jesus came to reattach us to the bloodline of Abraham so that we could experience not partial blessing, but total blessing. Hit your neighbor and tell them you're totally blessed. Every part of your life, every facet of your life, we are totally blessed. That's why Isaiah said the chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon Jesus. That word for peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. The word shalom means totally blessed. When a Jew uh, greets you with shalom, they're speaking total blessing on your life. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, there were seven exchanges that took place in this whole cursing and blessing exchange. There were seven exchanges. And I'm going to go through these real quick. Hit your neighbor real quick say, listen fast. A lot of scripture today. I want to unpack this, but we're going to open up the altars at the end and have some time to pray for people to be healed. But check out these exchanges. Number one, at the cross, what happened? Death for life. Jesus told Mary and Martha, upon the death of their brother, y'all remember this? He said that in Christ, you will never die. Think about that. When your senses dull here, they start coming alive in eternity. When you close your eyes for the last time here, they're about to be fully open over there. When we die here, we, we come fully alive in eternity. In Christ, you will never die. It's a powerful thing to understand because according to Hebrews 2, the enemy tries to control people through the fear of death. But how many of you understand we don't even have to fear death in Christ because in Christ we never die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? The second exchange is sickness for health. Christ bore our sicknesses, all right? That's what the stripes on his back was for, was so that you and I could be healed. By his stripes, we are healed. On the cross, there's an exchange, rejection for acceptance. We don't like to think about this, but when Jesus was on the cross, it's the only time that he ever called his heavenly father God. It's because the sky um, grew dark, because the father turned his back on the son in that moment, and Jesus cried out, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and what was happening in the moment, we don't like thinking about this, but in that moment, Jesus was being rejected because he had become the curse so that you and I could be accepted. All right? So there's a rejection for acceptance exchange that took place on the cross. You never have to live another minute of your life with a spirit of rejection on your life. You have been totally accepted because Christ was rejected so you could be accepted. The fourth one, you're going to have to have a little faith for this to rise up and grab it, but there is a poverty for prosperity exchange. Say, really? Well, you spend 60 hours a week trying to get prosperity. Why does this offend you? There is a poverty for prosperity exchange 
at the cross. Now, we have to define prosperity because prosperity doesn't mean I have millions of dollars. Prosperity means, watch this, it means having more than enough to do God's will for your life. More than enough to do God's will for your life. The only other two alternatives would be barely enough or not enough, okay? But God wants you to have more than enough. He wants your life to overflow, not just so you can tell everybody how blessed you are, but he wants you to be blessed like Abraham was, blessed to be a blessing. There is a poverty for prosperity exchange. Number five, defeat for victory. Jesus was defeated by the Jews, but we have victory. If you're not winning right now, it's, it's because it's only halftime. Come on. Hit your neighbor and tell them the game's not over. Right? If you're not winning now, it's only halftime. Victory, watch this. Victory is my birthright. I don't have to be a victim any longer. That in Christ, I have, not I'm going to get, I have the victory. Already. He's already done. That's an exchange that took place on the cross. Number six, bondage for freedom. They bound Jesus up so that you and I could live free. The seventh is punishment for peace. The chastisement for our peace and total well-being was upon Jesus. We know that he took the curse upon himself. All of, He took the sin of the world, the curse, on himself so that we could be totally blessed, 100%. Now, one of the issues we have to deal with when it comes to what he provided on the cross is the issue of healing. And a lot of people, you know, we, we want to like, just pretend that healing doesn't exist. We, we don't really understand it, so we don't want to talk about it. But how many of you understand God is a healer? Like, we can, we can believe him to save us, but can't believe that he can heal us. All right? We, we, we've got to, to grab hold of this. And, and what he said in Isaiah 53, he says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That is present tense. That's, that's not back there. That's not way out in front of you. It is present tense. We are healed. Here's what I would tell you about healing. Healing is not cookie cutter. And what I mean by that, we, uh, the reason we miss out on healing sometimes is because we all have a way that we think God should heal us. Like, it'll be the preacher will lay hands on me. That's how I get my healing. Well, if you live in that kind of box, you might miss out on your healing. It's not cookie cutter. God doesn't always heal the same. When you follow the ministry of Jesus, almost every person he healed, he did it differently. Sometimes he spoke a word. Sometimes he spit in their eye. Sometimes he told them to dip in the water. I mean, there was all kinds of methods to this healing madness, if you will. that You had to discern the moment, understand the circumstances, and see the faith that was released in Jesus. That we can't make this cookie cutter. You can only get healing one way. All right, is that okay with everybody? Multiple ways God can do it. Now, let's look at some scriptures to build foundation. John 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What are we supposed to do with verses like that? 
as we sit around sick, afflicted, I'm a loser either way, you know. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we want to exclude verses where Jesus is saying, the works I'm doing, you're going to do also. But he took it a step further. He said, you're going to do greater works. And so we have to deal with that. And, and, and he ties it all to, he who believes in me will do greater works. I got a question. Any believers in Jesus today? Right? That, that means greater works. Greater works shall you do. If, if you believe that in Jesus, that means you are called to do what he did. All right? A lot of times people, even in the church world, will say the ministry of Jesus, the healing ministry of Jesus, all of that stopped when Jesus died. Actually, it all just got started when Jesus died. Because when he went to the cross, he was paying for everything that we get to walk in. He was initiating that his ministry was actually just starting through the body of Christ. I'm going to show you some things in, in a moment that's going to blow your mind. But look at this, 1 Corinthians 12. A lot of scripture, I told you. Today I'm just going to give you a word, a few points, then we're going to pray. Is that all right? It says, now that each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts. Everybody say plural. Plural, all right? This is not singular. This is plural. Gifts, plural, of healing. Now, I'm going to stop right here. This is where the Holy Spirit is giving his nine gifts to the body. And when he comes to healing, he says gifts. Some translations even say gifts of healings. The whole thing is plural. That there's more than one way. Nine gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. One of them is the gifts of healing. God has designed or composed the body to heal itself. You missed it. It just went right over your head. He has composed the body to heal itself. Watch this. Through the finished work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ has everything it needs to produce healing. Gifts, plural. God wants you to be a healing agent in the kingdom. You ought to be a white blood cell in the kingdom. That everywhere you go, you are bringing healing. Come on, somebody, if you're going to grab that. If not, just do this. Be a, be a white blood cell in the kingdom. See, a lot of us, we think if I'm not holding a microphone and delivering a sermon, then God can't use me in healing. Or if I'm not leading the song or teaching the class or leading the group, we, we want to place all the value on gifts you can see, but God says he places more honor on the gifts you can't see. I believe there are people right here in this place that may never hold a microphone, but God is going to use your hands to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He's going to use you to do that. Look at the curse of, of disconnection. The curse of disconnection is a lack of healing. Part of the reason we come together like this is because every person brings a gift and that all the gifts should be celebrated and this should be a place where the gifts can operate. Does that make sense? And when we're disconnected, then we're, we're missing some things that God wants us to have. So we come together and it's a blessing. Mark 16 
Verses 17 and 18 says this. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Let me stop and talk about the snakes. This doesn't mean we go looking for snakes. Some churches do that. Like they got a big old box and they pull it out and all these snakes come out and they walk around holding them. Um, That's not what this means. Some churches do that. Most of those churches are really small. (laughs) They have a growth problem for obvious reasons. But it does mean that in some unfortunate event that while you're doing the will of God in the earth, you come across a snake and it bites you, God's saying, you're going to be all right. Remember the Apostle Paul? He was bit by a poisonous snake and he shook it off. Didn't kill him. So we don't go looking for snakes, even though we did, we did have four snakes in this church one time, not on purpose. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember that. At the movies, building a set, we attached the front of a car to a wall. And, and, and out of this front of the car that was attached to the wall, four snakes came out of it. Like, the only good snake is a dead one, bless God. All right? We're not bringing no, we ain't got no box back here. We're hiding, all right? Now, everything in the body of Christ is relationally transferred. And I think this is one of the things we've undervalued. We have undervalued the ministry of the laying on of hands. Everything in the body is relationally transferred, which means that when we lay hands on someone to pray for them, we are not checking a box. It's not just tradition. It's not a religious action. That it is, it, It's supposed to be a powerful moment where God impacts that person's life through the laying on of hands. Now, a lot of people will ask, well, Pastor, why isn't everyone healed? Why isn't everyone healed? Let's look at two verses. I want to show you. Mark 12, 15 says, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Now, if you were to take that one verse, and you just read that, and you didn't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as a whole, the whole all the gospel, you would think he healed every single person that was sick, every one of them, okay, if you just read the verse. But if you read Mark 6, you find out he didn't heal everyone. Watch this in Mark 6, verses 5 and 6. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So in one verse, he healed everybody there, and in another place, in his hometown, he didn't heal everybody there, and, and there, was, there was one major difference. Jesus doesn't heal where there's no faith. He does not heal where there is no faith. Where there is a lack of faith, there will be a lack of healing. Faith has to be present. And again, I can't stress enough, it's not cookie cutter how God heals. We don't need to be so much worried in the method of healing as just believing He will do it, and whatever He wants us to do in the moment, we're open to it. If that means dip in a Jordan seven times or spit in somebody's eye or run two circles, it doesn't matter. We get hung up in those details. At the end of the day, all we need to be concerned with is that God is able and He's willing to heal His people. But before I give you the ways God heals, we got to talk about why we're sick. We've got to talk about it. Why are we sick? 
Six major reasons for sickness. Some of y'all are going to be tempted to get up and leave. Number one, poor diet and lifestyle. See, church I grew up in, you just eat anything. Because we just shout and speak in tongues and you'll be healed. But what good is it to get healed if you're going to go back out and eat, continue to eat donuts every day? You're going to be sick again. You're going to need another healing service. A lot of dietitians will tell you that if you give them a list of your diet, they can predict your sicknesses. They can tell you what illnesses you will have based on the things you put into your physical body. 100 years ago, we did not have processed food. People lived off the land, the food God gave us. And food that God gave us is meant to nourish and to heal the body. But we have replaced God's food with processed food. And processed food is simply food that they have stripped all the nutrients out and they have packaged it for sight and taste. They make it look good and taste good and it has no benefit to your physical body. And so people live on Coke and Mountain Dew and straight sugar all day long and donuts all day long and, and, and wonder why they are now diabetic. How many of we can eat ourselves into sickness? And I'm not saying that we have to be legalistic about this, but you need to know sugar is more addictive than heroin. And it has zero benefit to the human body. And I'm not saying you got to be legalistic about this, but I am saying use some wisdom. Like, I'm not saying never eat sugar again, but you may want to limit the 27 Mountain Dews down to like one. And, and birthday cake, instead of every day, let's just make it on the birthday. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying be legalistic about it, but understand what we're doing because what we eat determines our immune system, whether that's good or bad, by what we're ingesting into the body. And stress, let's just tie stress to this. Stress is the number one reason for doctor visits in our nation. Stress is also the number one reason for prescription medication in our nation. And I'm going to say something that's going to be strong, and then I'm going to give you the backup verse. God will give no grace for stress. Stress is self-inflicted. The human body was not designed by God to handle stress. We're not built for it. Why do you think people have nervous breakdowns? You're not built to handle stress. None of us are. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are stressed out and filled with anxiety, that's not Jesus' yoke. Stress is self-induced. The antidote to stress is to do less. Less is more because when you're stressed out, you can't enjoy anything. 
All right, is this okay? So poor diet and stress will make you sick. And we can have a healing line. It doesn't mean God won't heal you or God don't, he'll heal you. But you need to know it does no good to get healed and then go back out and do it again. God, about this time next year, when's old pastor going to preach on healing again? Y'all know how we are. I done ate myself right into sickness. I'm having fun whether y'all are or not. Number two. Number two, why we're sick. Genetics and generational curses. In all of our lives, we have predisposed tendencies for certain sicknesses. That's the reason why when you go to the doctor, they ask you, does cancer run in your family? Does diabetes run in your family? High blood pressure. They want to know everything about your history. And then they want to tell you, okay, your daddy got it and your grandfather got it. You need to get ready, Chad, because you're going to get... See, it's in that moment and before I give you the scripture, that you need to be reminded that Jesus not only broke the curse of sin, but he reattached you to the bloodline of Abraham. And you need to say, I'm not of that dingus blood. I got royal blood running through my veins. Come on, somebody. I've been, I've been reattached to what Jesus has done. Now, with that, look at Deuteronomy, because that's what we're talking about. In Deuteronomy 5, he says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That's where we usually talk about generational curses and how the sins of the father come down into the children. But a lot of times we stop there and we don't read how that can shift. Look at verse 10. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That means, yeah, my, my grandfather may have had it. My daddy may have had it. They may have all struggled with that. But in Christ, I am breaking the curse off my family. I'm not passing down a generational curse. I'm passing down a generational blessing. Some of you all need to receive that right there because you have watched alcohol ruin every single generation, and but you're going to be the person that's going to break it, and your kids are not going to have to deal with it. Whatever it is, you gotta, you got to break that so that it's not passed down. The third thing of why we're sick, demonic strongholds and spirits of infirmity. Luke 13, a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the, the, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days. I can't even read that without laughing. This, this joker's mad that she got healed on the Sabbath. There's six days you could have got your healing. Today's not it. Can you imagine? He goes on, the Lord answered, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? This woman would have been labeled as someone in our day as someone with bone issues. Osteoporosis, maybe. Been over for 18 years. She's got bone condition. That's what we would have summed it up as. But Jesus diagnosed it a little deeper. He said, this is not bone issues. This is a spirit 
of infirmity. And we have to stop and we got to ask, what is a spirit of infirmity? A spirit of infirmity is a demon spirit that causes you to stay sick. Many times, someone with a spirit of infirmity, medication doesn't help them. Treatment doesn't help them. Surgeries don't help them. Or they get over one sickness only to have a new sickness. And it's a constant cycle in their life. And, and what we have to understand when it comes to a spirit of infirmity, I don't mean to be mean or anything, but I'm just going to say it like I feel it. You can't educate a demon. You can't counsel a demon. You can't even medicate a demon. The only thing you can do with a demon is cast that joker out. When Jesus cast that spirit out, watch this, 18 years been over, but he deals with a spirit of infirmity, and as soon as he does, she straightens up and praises God. Man, I've met people that have been sick, had surgeries, had medicine, can't get better, get one sickness after another. We need, that's why I say healing's not cookie cutter. You've got to know what you're dealing with. A spirit of infirmity can attack people and keep them in a cycle of sickness. The fourth is sin or lack of spiritual connection or covering. Look at John 5. It says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the man replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick, up, pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Watch this. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. We don't have to worry every time we sin, make a mistake, that we should be looking over our shoulder that we got some kind of sickness chasing us down. It's not what I'm talking about. We, we are conduits of God's grace, okay? But I do have to explain the issue of rebellion. Rebellion is when God deals with you over an area, but you refuse to acknowledge it. Rebellion is when God has told you to change something, to stop something, to fix something, but you don't listen. You don't heed the voice of the Holy Spirit. That, that then becomes rebellion. And I'm not just talking about rebellion to God. I am also talking about re- rebellion against authority, God's authority, spiritual authority. A lot of people hate authority. They think authority is cramping their style. Authority is not cramping your style. Authority is actually covering your life. And, and so they, they misinterpret how God uses authority. So James, the book of James says, submit to God first and then resist the devil. Resist and then, then or submit, then resist. And, and the point is, when you're in rebellion, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it, you, you have a kindred spirit with the devil. You have a like spirit. He operates in a spirit of rebellion. 
And you can't cast him off his own property. Rebellion is his real estate. It's his property. So if we're in rebellion, we can't cast him off something he owns. Does that make sense? In the kingdom of God, you have as much authority as you are under. To the extent that you're under authority, you can exercise authority. That's why Jesus comes. He's the Son of God. He's blameless. He's sinless. Has no fault. He, I mean, he's, he's got the anointing like nobody's ever had. it. He is the Son of God. But what does he do? He, he positions himself and he submits to the Father's authority. He submits to John's ministry. He went to John and said, I want you to baptize me. John said, I don't want to baptize you. I'm not worthy to do it. What, no, you're going to baptize me. I'm going to submit to your ministry. He also said... I'm not going to do anything unless I see my father doing it. I'm not going to say anything unless I see my... He was showing us that when we come under authority, we actually have authority. We don't have to be perfect, but we do have to be submitted. Does that make sense sense to everybody? Look at Luke 6. I'm going to tie these two together. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. One of the number one sins that trips us is rebellion. The second would be in the family of hate, bitterness, unforgiveness, judgment, anything in that family, a lack of love in general. According to your standard, God says, I will measure it back to you. Say it this way. God will give you as much grace as you give away. You may be on your way to heaven, but you may be sick until you get there. Because God's going to use your standard. How much grace do you want? Followed up by how much grace do you give away? The measure of grace that I give to people in forgiveness and love and a lack of judgment, that's the same level of grace God will extend to me. We need, how many know we need to give some grace away? Most people want grace, but if somebody wrongs them, they don't extend grace. Number five, the glory of God. John 9, 1 through 3, it says, As he went along, he saw a, blind, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Some people are sick, and there's no rhyme or reason to their sickness. All that I know is that God's about to get glory because he's going to heal them. All right? So it's not about anything they did or didn't do. Some people have a sickness, and God's going to heal it, and he's going to get glory from it. And number six, unto death. Some people are going to die because of sickness. We've all lost family members, people we care about, that died because they were sick. 
But God doesn't view sickness the way, or dying the way you and I do. When we view death, we look at it as a goodbye. When God views death, He looks at it as a homecoming. Look at Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of, of His faithful servants. So, so God doesn't look at it. You know your Bible says that when a child is born, we should cry. And when somebody dies, we should celebrate. But when babies are born, we all celebrate. And when people die, we all cry. But God says when someone dies in Christ, that it's a beautiful thing. That it's not a, how many know that the moment your eyes close here, they're getting ready to open there. That in him you don't experience death. Now, healing and miracles are not the same thing. They are two separate things. Healing involves a process. If we say that, that I'm, I'm on my way to recovery or healing, what we're saying is that we have begun a process of getting better. Miracles, on the other hand, God does both. Miracles are instant. It's like you had cancer, we prayed for you, and there's no cancer. Immediately. How I many? That's a miracle. That's, that's a little more than a, than a healing. That's a miracle. A healing is a process. So I believe today some of you are going to get a miracle. That God's going to do one of those. And I also believe some of y'all are going to get a healing. That today is going to begin a process of you getting better. Y'all receive that? Don't act mad at me. I just said you're going to get healed. Come on. Now, how does God heal? We have to take time. Y'all got a few more minutes? All right. I'm giving y'all a little more than the rest. The rest of them, I had another service coming. I had to cut them off. All right. How does God heal? One of the ways God heals is proper diet, exercise, and lifestyle. God uses that to bring healing into your life. It's called, watch this, wisdom. It's called wisdom. Sometimes God's saying, I've given you everything you need to be better. You just refuse to do it. It's called wisdom. Second way he does it is forgiveness and walking in grace. If you need a healing, if you need God to move in your life, the last thing you should have in your life is unforgiveness. It's the last thing. What you need to know about unforgiveness and bitterness, when you hold grudges and you don't let people go and forgive people, it not only messes with your emotions and, and your mindset and your spirit, but I have watched people physically be tortured because of unforgiveness in their heart. That it takes a toll on their physical body. Third way God heals, through spiritual covering and connection to the body. James 5, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There are some sicknesses that God will only heal when we make an overt gesture that we are connected to the body. We have to show that we are submitted, we're connected, we're in, interdependent. Why do you think God says, if two of you touching any one thing, I'll do it? The reason he says two and not one is because God never wants us alone. 
He wants us connected. There is power in us coming together. If you're sick and you call for the elders of the church, that's a good indication you're submitted to the house. Listen, I'm going to say it in a way you'll really get this. I've never had anybody mad at me or bitter at me that called me for prayer. How do we know? They're mad and bitter and don't like what we're doing. They're not calling us for prayer. All right? So it's a powerful thing that you may have to get over some things to be submitted, to show God that you're connected, because sometimes there's a blockage. That's why I say healing's not cookie cutter. Sometimes we just got something in our own life that's blocking a blessing that we have to deal with. Number four, I want you to write this one down. God heals through doctors and medicine. You should be thankful for medicine and doctors. Anybody thankful for the medical field? How many of you have been blessed by the medical field? I've been blessed. Doctors have helped me. Medicine has helped me. I'm not against it at all. And sometimes that is God's method. They've went to school. They've studied. They've spent a big part of their life learning all this. There is a reason God gave us those gifts. Okay, they have a talent. They're able to use those talents to help us. And so we should be thankful for that. But here's what I would say about our society in general. We are, we are over-medicated. Is that fair? We're over-medicated. So my advice would be, be a minimalist. If you're going to take the pills, ask yourself, whatever it is, do I need this? If you need it, and your doctor says you need it, then I'm cool, take it. But if you're just popping stuff all the time and you don't really need it, I mean, that's an issue. I can't hide behind this. All right. So I'm thankful for doctors. God uses them. Number five, prayer, meditation, on the word, and confession. I'm going to ask the worship team to get in place as we get ready to close it out. In other words, I'm going to say something here. Just speak to your body. Speak the word of God over your body. Speak God's word. If you've if you got cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, you got a sore neck, you got a bad shoulder, your knees messed up, your back's out of a line. I don't care. Speak. The, learn how to bless your body. Instead of walking around this stupid back, why don't you say, I bless my back in the name of Jesus? They've done this study several times over where students will take two plants, put them behind glass, and they will speak only negative words to one plant and only positive words to the other plant. And, and they've done this study numerous times over. The, one, the plant getting all the negativity dies. And the one that gets all the positive, positivity lives. And so I am saying learn how to bless your own body, your own mind, your own emotions. Speak to those things. Find the healing scripture and stand on that scripture. That there is the power of life and death in our words. Bless your shoulders. Bless your knees. I, I don't know. I don't know. Bless the high blood pressure. Ask God to touch it. I mean, speak His word over your body. Use wisdom. Quit living on donuts. Eat. Add a little lettuce to your life. I mean, I like donuts and cheeseburgers, but my my goodness, man, we can't live like that. Use some wisdom. Get some medical advice, but, but at the end of the day, speak the word over your body. You say, well, well, why does God heal people, Pastor? Why does he heal people? I'll tell you why he heals people. He heals people because he loves people. 
See, that, that's probably the best point of the day. The reason God will heal you is no different than the reason you would want your kids to be healed. You love them. God loves you. The scripture says Jesus was moved with compassion, and because of that, he ministered healing to them. He loves you. He has compassion on you, and he's willing and able to bring healing into your life. If you receive that word, would you stand and let's give God the highest praise we have all day, church. Come on, give him a praise for his word. Come on, slap somebody a high five and tell them I found healing. I found healing. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around. The best healing is when we get saved, that our spirit is healed in that moment. It's a powerful thing that when we're saved, then he, he applies that our bodies would prosper and our soul would prosper just as our spirit does. Because this is the most important part, that our spirit be set free and saved. If you're in this place or watching online and you need Jesus to save you and you want to be saved, to have your sins forgiven, if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus to save me today. Anyone at all. I need Jesus to save me today anyone at all one over here God bless you God bless you everybody pray together come on say dear Heavenly Father I come to you in the name of Jesus I'm a sinner I've committed sins I need a Savior I can't save myself Jesus I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me to save me and to change me. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a praise for that one hand. Come on, invite the prayer team and staff to come forward. We have anointing oil up here. We got prayer cloths. If you need to take some cloths home and give them to somebody, you say, what are you talking about? In the New Testament, they anointed prayer cloths. Okay, with anointing, they prayed over them. Everything's relationally transferred. So what that means is, is we can pray over a cloth and you take the cloth home or to somebody sick that you know and give it to them. And we believe that the anointing of the Holy Spirit can touch them there because we prayed here. How many believe that God can do that? Amen. So we have those available. If you would want to come and pray over one, we're here for you. We just want to open up these altars and give people a time to to receive prayer for God to, I believe you'll give some miracles and some healings today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.